Lord, we magnify you. Father, let the fruit of our lips give praise unto your name right now. Lord, we love you. Father, because you first loved us, we love you, Lord Jesus. We need you tonight, Lord Jesus. Every hour, every minute, every day, we need you, God. We need you, God. I need you today, Father. I need you right now, Lord Jesus. I need to hear your voice, Lord. I need to know your direction, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray your anointing upon the minds of your people right now, Lord Jesus. I pray your anointing upon the ears of your people right now, Lord Jesus. I pray, O oh God, hallelujah, that your ministering angels would minister in this place tonight, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think tonight. In the name of Jesus, your will be done, Father. Jesus, your will be done, Father. Hallelujah, Jesus. Shandono makatia tanomatia tananamatia. Halabushi kie namosati kie nomaye, Jesus. You're worthy, Father. You're worthy, Father. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Make us to be vessels of honor unto you today, Jesus. Oh, God, all we have is this day. All we have is this moment and this hour, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, have your way, Lord Jesus. Not our will tonight, Lord Jesus. Your will be done, Lord Jesus. Nevertheless, not as as we would, Lord, but that as you would. You are holy. You are worthy. You are mighty. You are righteous. Father, you're magnificent. You're glorious. You are holy, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being our Father. Thank you for being our Father and our Savior. And thank you for making us to be your sons, your bride, your servants. Lord Jesus, thank you for everything, Lord Jesus. Without you, we can do nothing, Father. Without you, we can do nothing. We cannot do one thing. We cannot succeed at one thing without you, Father. And that's really all that matters, Lord, is pleasing you tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, don't you want to please the Lord? Don't you want your life to please the Lord? Don't you want your words to please the Lord? Amen. I want to be pleasing to my Father. That's all I wanted when I was growing up was just to have the favor of my dad, hear my dad say something good about me. Hallelujah. Sometimes my natural father did, sometimes he didn't. But I can depend on my spiritual father. Amen. To never leave me or forsake me and to always love me. Amen. I'm thankful that he loved me when I was unlovable. Amen. In spite of my in spite of me, in spite of all my failings, even today, he still yet loves me. Hallelujah. Amen. He looked beyond our faults, didn't he? Not just once. 
He does that in perpetuity until Jesus comes. Amen. Jesus. Hallelujah. So good to have with us again, Leo Feast. (laughs) Great to have Leo back here. Even though we had you fill out a visitor card, it's you're not a visitor, and and uh, we're so glad to have you here. He's going to be attending college here, and uh, at the UW Lacrosse. So, the good Lord willing, we're going to have him around here for a little bit. Amen. We're so excited. We're so glad to have him. Maybe he can convince Ian and his lovely wife and children to come up here at some point. Bring them babies up here so we can see him. Well, there's there's another one coming, but not yet. Amen. So good to have him here tonight. Amen. So good to have everybody here. I'm so glad that the Lord is here. Amen. I'm glad the Holy Ghost is in this place. Amen. He wants to minister to somebody tonight. Do you want to be ministered to? Amen. Do you want to receive something of the Lord? Amen. Amen. So we've got to have that mode. We've got to have that mentality and mindset. I'm going to receive something. I've come here to receive something. Lord, I don't know what it is. And that's kind of the attitude I take when I come here. I don't know what you've got for me tonight, Lord, but when I, know, when I get it, I'll know it. When it hits, I'll know it. And it might be the last word spoken from this platform, but it's something that's for me. Amen. Hallelujah. We're not just going through the motions, folks. We are the church. We are the church. Amen. It's built on a rock, that song says. It's got a firm foundation. We are the church. This isn't the church that we're sitting in. This is just a building. But we are the church of the living God. We are His body. We are His hands and His feet. Amen? That's right. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's get right into this. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Matthew 28, chapter 28, verse 16 to 20. I'll give you folks a minute to get there. Amen. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Some of you could quote this. Or parts of it. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. Jesus doesn't do anything by accident. He had appointed them to go there. Because he knew ahead of time what he was about to do. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Kind of sounds like our world today, doesn't it? There's still some doubters out there. We're going to talk about that tonight. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Everybody say teach. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching, everybody say teaching. Them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Teaching who? The whole world. Right? And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Well, they didn't understand that as much as we then as we do now. 
But we know what that means when He is with us always. We have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and we know that He is always with us. And I'm persuaded that even when we don't, even when somebody doesn't have the Holy Ghost, He's always with them. Because He said that He would not that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Didn't He not say that? And so he's He's out there reaching for somebody every day. He's reaching. Aren't you thankful He didn't stop reaching for you? Amen. When you might have said no ten times, but He didn't stop reaching. Hallelujah for that, yes. <laughs> We're going to talk about tonight fulfilling the Great Commission. Fulfilling the Great Commission. There's actually one, two, there's five scriptures that talk about the Great Commission. And each one of them is a little different. And that's a study all by itself, so we won't get into that. But I'm going to read a couple of them that I felt impressed that I should add into this. So Mark 16, 14 through 15 says, Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. They were his disciples. But they still had hardness of heart and unbelief. Because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, he stood there and berated them and got on their case. And then he said, go ye into all the world. Okay, the whooping's over, boys. Now, let's get down to business. That's what he said. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That doesn't disclude anybody. Does disclude a word? If it isn't, I just made it one. <laughs> Probably is. Acts 1 and 8 says, I bet you everybody in this room just about could quote that. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and into the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus was speaking prophetically in these scriptures. He wasn't just, he was talking to them right there. That's, that's who broke this down and made it so that we would have it today in a book called the Bible. But he was speaking prophetically all the way down through time to September 13th, 2023 in La Crosse, Wisconsin. To the people in this room right here and those that are listening online, whoever's hearing this, even if they hear it a month from now when they find this message. God was speaking to everybody. When he said this, the expectation of Jesus was that his disciples, and that includes us, would go forth and do or obey. That's a hard word sometimes, isn't it? To obey. Jesus said to obey is better than sacrifice. Isn't that what the Holy Ghost said? It's better to obey than to offer sacrifice. But he was expecting them to go forth and do exactly what he commanded them to do. What did he command them to do? Go forth and teach. Go forth and preach to all the world. He commanded us in the same way. 
throughout his entire ministry, what, what was Jesus' primary mode of ministry when he walked this earth? He was a teacher. They called him teacher. They called him rabbi. Everywhere he went, what did he do? He taught them. So Jesus was only commanding them to do what he was doing. And why was he doing what he was doing? Because his father told him to do that. Because Jesus was all about pleasing the father. He just, and he told them many times in the New Testament, this is what I'm saying or this is what I'm doing because that's what my father told me to say. This is what my father told me to do. And so we should obey the Father, shouldn't we? So what did Jesus do when he walked on this earth? How, he, didn't just, he didn't just go to the same place all the time and teach, did he? He didn't just invite everybody to Jesus' house to teach, did he? No, because he didn't have a place. So he went wherever he was at, wherever the moment presented itself, he taught the people, whether it was a handful of people or 5,000 on a hillside, he taught. He rubbed shoulders with the people. What kind of people did he rub shoulders with? All kinds of people. People that the religious people of that day, the Jews, didn't want him rubbing shoulders with. We're not supposed to talk to those people. Look at them. They're covered in tattoos, and, and look at them. They, they smoke, and they drink, and they cuss. And I don't want that stuff in my house. Jesus didn't care. He went and touched a leper. Now, anybody, any normal person, if they touched a leper, what happened? You had it. It was like COVID. You had it. Oh, you got the COVID. You got the leprosy. But Jesus wasn't afraid to touch anybody. He wasn't afraid to rub shoulders with anybody. He went after all the, the ones that nobody wanted him to touch or talk to. He went after the deaf people. He went after the lame people. He went after the blind people. He went after those those horrible, terrible sinners called tax collectors. And he was accused of that constantly. He All he ever does is hang around with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and women that are committing adultery. And the list goes on and on. All kinds of belief systems. People that didn't you know, Paul and those guys had to deal with guys that thought they could buy this Holy Ghost that we have. We deal with that stuff on a day-to-day basis. You've said it many times. The, the people in this world today, by and large, don't, don't really have a belief system that, that even comes anywhere close to even believing that the Bible is the book, the, the Word of God. So this is what we ha- are facing in this world today, they got all kinds of life challenges. 
They got. They might be transsexual. They might be this. They might be that. They might have a drug problem. They might have all kinds of problems. But we can't shun them. Folks, we can't do it. Jesus is not going to send 52,000 people to the front door of this building without us doing a thing. I'm telling you right now, it's not going to happen. He's not going to send 2,000. I'm not saying I don't believe He would, but I I don't believe He will. For one very simple reason. He commanded us to go out where they are. What we're doing in here, if you want to study it out in the book, this ain't even in the book. Having church in a building, unless you're in somebody's house. Because what did he tell the disciples on the day of Pentecost? Where did they go? Nobody told them that. Nobody told them to do that. How'd they know to go from house to house? How'd they know that? Somebody else they knew or heard about, that's how he did ministry. From house to house. Am I right? Say yes. I'm right. So we've got to ask God. I'm I'm going somewhere with this. We're talking about Fulfilling the Great Commission. It's a co-mission. He's in it with us. He's not just sending us out there by ourselves. He's with us. He'll lead us. I'll prove it. Matthew 5, 1 and 2 says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into the mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. He taught the multitude. What are you going to do if God gives you an opportunity to teach a a large group of people? What are you going to do with that? This guy that was at this conference on Saturday, he said, now they're known in their city for being a Bible study teaching church. So he gets a phone call one day from the the football coach of the high school. I heard y'all are a Bible study teaching church, and I want you to come teach a Bible study to all the guys on the football team. (laughs) What do you say? No. uh, 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 No. And he said he showed up, and all of them had Bibles, brand new Bibles, still in the boxes. And he said when they first study was done, they put their Bibles back in the boxes. So he said it was awesome. Another time he had some lawyer, some judge called him up and said, Hey, you're a Bible study teaching church. I'm, me and some guys get together and study the Bible. We'd like to have you come teach us a Bible study. Oh, okay. And, and when he went, it turned out to be four judges and three attorneys. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. Matthew seven twenty eight and 29. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, and the people were astonished at his doctrine, that he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. We need to teach with authority. Not our authority. His authority. 
And that doesn't mean pound your fist on the table and you look at them and say, Thus saith the Lord. It's not, it's not what I'm saying. The Bible says we got to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. He that winneth souls is wise, skillful. You, you, you have to be very calculated. You have to be very careful. You're dealing with the souls of people that belong to God. No matter what they look like, no matter what they smell like or act like, they are a soul. You've got to remember that. Mark 4, 1 and 2, And he began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables. Everywhere he went, he was teaching. John 8 and 2, the er- And early in the morning he came again unto the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down. And taught them. A lot of teaching going on. Suffice it to say that every believer, every saint, and every disciple from that time until now has been given the same command. What do you do when you're given a direct order? You obey it. Isn't that right, Sergeant Major? When you give a direct order, given a direct order... You, or if you're the one given the direct order, you're expecting them to do what you asked, told them to do. Don't question it right now. Just go do it. We'll talk about it later. Just go do what I told you to do. Well, how much more of a direct order do you need? Those of you in the, that weren't in the military, when you're given a direct order, a lawful direct order, you just go do it. You stop what you're doing and you go do it. Because it could be life or death if you're in combat. And so we've been given a direct order. We've been given a command, not a suggestion. This is not um, do it if you want to, if you feel like it. Can you imagine a military running like that? It might almost be that way now. I don't want to say that too loud. Oh, my goodness. Anybody say woke? Anyway. It wasn't a suggestion. Jesus didn't suggest that the disciples do this. He commanded them. What would you do if you just got railed on by the Lord himself and then he told you the next sentence he said, go and teach? I'd be turning around. I wouldn't. The other guys would still be sitting there. I'd be gone. It's like the story about Patton. I think it was Patton that had these these lieutenants around behind this barn, and he told them to dig a ditch. Six feet long, six feet wide, and an inch deep. And they all looked at each other like, and he walked away and left them all standing there. And they all were looking at each other like, is he out of his mind? And this one guy picked up a shovel and said, I don't know about you, but he just told me to dig a ditch one inch deep, six foot, whatever the dimensions of it was. And here he come back around the corner and said, you, come with me. Let the rest of them stand in there. That's following a direct order. Don't, don't question it. If that's what the general said to do, do it. So we got to do it, don't we? And if you're shaking your head in this room, and I'm doing it too, my question to you and to me is, and the Lord's question is, why aren't you? Why aren't we?
And the command still stands, doesn't it? It's never been rescinded. It's not going to be. That word teach, I looked it up. It's got like, in the New Testament, 36 places where it uses the word teach, somewhere like that. It means to instruct by word of mouth. Influence the understanding of a person taught. Isn't that what we're doing? Preach. Publish. Proclaim. Publicly. 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 From house to house. Publicly. Did I say publicly? This isn't publicly. The same. We're not so much trying to convert people. I mean, we are. But we're trying to gently, and the men that taught in this session on Saturday brought this out. We're trying to bring them to a choice. Because that's ultimately what happened to us, wasn't it? We were brought to the ultimate place of making a choice. Do I believe that this is the Word of God? Do I believe that Jesus really lived on this earth and died? Do I believe that God created all things? Do I believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him? If I don't believe that first, then you can sit there and teach me Acts 2.38 till the cows come home. But if I don't believe the base stuff first, all the rest of it is just a waste of our time. So we have to be careful. Jesus just, he didn't just dive right in. He did that somewhat with the Pharisees and scribes because he knew they knew better. But with the people that he was reaching, he just very gentle and very, very meek and just, just loved them. Let them come to a choice. And that's what we're trying to do, folks. Is very wisely and carefully and humbly bring somebody to a choice. And how long is that going to take? Nobody knows. Depends on the individual. Depends on their circumstance. Depends on how much hurts in their life. Depends on all kinds of things, doesn't it? We all came from all kinds of different backgrounds. And the Lord had to deal with each one of us individually. Based on our own, not just our religious background, but our personality and the way He made us. And He knew all that about us before He's breaching for us. And so we have to be as... As wise stewards of His Word, we got to be very, very gentle and careful like Jesus was when we're reaching people. And you know the Lord, He went out of His way to reach people. He really did. And even in that day, some chose to follow Him and some didn't. Do we take that personally? If you teach a Bible study and you teach a 12-week session of uh, exploring God's Word and then you turn around and teach it again for another 12 weeks, and it t- but it takes 18 weeks the first time and it takes even longer the second time because you're not in a rush, right? You're not in a rush. And you spend all that time and you take them out to lunch and you meet them for coffee and you spend all that money and then they turn around and just say, you know what, this isn't for me, but thank you very much for all your time and effort. And they walk away. Is it easy for us to take that personally and say things in our mind like, how dare you? 
when the rich young ruler walked away, the Bible said Jesus loved him. He loved him enough to tell him what else he needed to do. And he left him with that choice. Nicodemus the same way. Right? Acts 26, Acts 8, 26 to 35. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down to Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia and eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure who had and, who, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. We've got to listen to the Spirit, don't we? The Spirit's going to lead you to somebody. Same, same thing He did here, He's going to do that for us. He's going to lead you to somebody that's already hungry. And, the, and Philip ran thither unto him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. He must have been reading it out loud. And he said, Understand thou what thou readest? Lots of people own Bibles out there. They don't have a clue what's in there. They, can't, they read it and read it and they don't get it. Anybody know anybody like that? They just need somebody to show them. And he said, how can I accept some man should guide me? God's leading Philip to this guy. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. You know, if you just ask somebody, they, they just might say yes. Maybe that's the problem. We don't want to ask because they might say yes. <laughs> or we want to be very picky who we ask. But what if the Lord's leading you to somebody that you wouldn't pick in a million years? But you've got to ask. Because you know what I find? People aren't out there aren't going to ask us for a, a Bible study. But they can't wait. They're waiting for somebody to ask. You, you don't know. They might just be praying, Lord, send somebody to help me to understand your word. And you might be the answer to their prayer. Be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. And know that this is not just some happenstance. God doesn't do anything by happenstance. You're not here by happenstance, Leo. None of us are in this room by happenstance. None of us. We are here by God's perfect design. And everybody else that's out there in the mission field or wherever they're at, they're there by God's design. And so here we are in this mission field right here. We don't get to get partners in missions, but we get to be in His mission field. And the place of the Scripture where He read was this, He was led as the sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before His shearer, so opened He not His mouth. In His humiliation, His judgment was taken away and and who shall declare his generation for who shall declare his generation? Hello? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? And of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth. There you go. We've got to get in front of somebody and we've got to open our mouth and not be afraid to speak. And began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. How long had Philip been in the church at this point? 
Not very long. He was still a new convert. They were all new converts. We're only in Acts chapter 8. They were all still new converts. This was all brand new. So Philip doesn't, wasn't depending on his intellectual mind, was he? If the Spirit led him there, the Spirit was going to use him to speak to this man. So God, God chose Philip, and he chose the Ethiopian eunuch, and he put them together. See that? God set that up. Jesus set that up. Acts 9, 8-18, And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither did eat or drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. Are we going to say that? When the Lord comes to us in a vision and tells us that he needs us to go do something? Does he do that today? Does the Lord speak to us in dreams and visions? He will. If you're sensitive, if you're listening, He'll do it. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. There's some people out there praying right now. They're praying. God, send me somebody. There's some people on that college campus right now praying. Send me somebody that will show me what this book means. It will help me out of my situation. Paul was praying. We don't know what he was praying. doesn't say. If, if that happened to me, and I said, Who art thou, Lord? And all of a sudden I'm blind, I'd be praying to the Lord that I just talked to. Whatever you got me here for, help me to understand it. Wouldn't you? Well, that's how I'd be praying. <laughs> Don't let me be blind the rest of my life. <laughs> right? He didn't know what was going to happen. He was all of a sudden blind. And has seen a vision. So Paul was talking, God was talking to Paul, a sinner, in a vision. He hadn't, he hadn't been baptized or anything yet. Jesus will come after somebody if he wants them bad enough. And he'll send you to help. And a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Not just somebody's going to come to you. A guy named Ananias is going to come to you. So God, he already had it planned out. What if Ananias hadn't obeyed? We don't know. We can speculate. Maybe he would have just gone pick somebody else. <laughs> Ananias had the right to choose not to go. Then Ananias answered the Lord. He tried to get out of it. I have heard of many things of this man. How much evil he hath done to the saints, Lord, don't you know? And, and here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all and call, thy, call on thy name, Lord, don't you know? You're sending me into a, a situation that's going to be horrible. I'm going to end up in jail. He's trying to tell the Lord this. Don't you know, Lord? Don't you know, Lord? This is not a good idea. Can you send somebody else? Not me, Lord. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way. He ignored him. 
I'm sorry, did you say something, Ananias? Go. For he has chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul. Speak in faith. Brother Saul. The Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way that thou, as thou camest, has sent me. That word sent is apostello. Look it up. It's not talking about sitting still. It's He sent him. That thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every Bible study was that quick? <laughs> Lesson one. Okay, 30 minutes later. We're done. Hey, can I be baptized? It happens. It happens. That, that brother from Louisiana that was teaching, he said he got a Bible study with a young man. After the second lesson, the guy stood up and said, can I be baptized? They hadn't even got to baptism yet. He was still in the Old Testament. God will send us to the hungry people. We need to pray that he sends us to the hungry people. You need to be praying for God to give you a Bible study. And then when you feel that nudging and that urging of the Holy Ghost, when you're standing there at the counter paying for your dinner and the lady doing your check at the cash register, you feel that nudge, you need to just open your mouth and say, hey, would you, would you ever like to have a Bible study? And the devil, he's right there going, that sounds so stupid. Don't say that. Anybody else besides me have that happen? You're going to sound like an idiot. Don't say that. But we have to ask. How many were there at camp when uh, Brother, uh, what's his name, did the audacity to ask a couple of years ago? Guy from North Carolina, what's his name? Huntley. Brother Huntley. Talked about the audacity to ask. you got to have the audacity to ask. If you don't ask if they have a senior discount, if, they, if you don't look old enough to have a senior discount, you, you need to have the audacity to ask and say, hey, I, I get that. I want that. Or do you have a veteran discount? If you don't ask, you don't get it. Right? you got to ask. Acts 10, 1 through 6. And there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man. One that feared God and with his whole house and who gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He wasn't in the church yet, folks. But he was making every effort to get there. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day that the angel of God came to him and sang unto him Cornelius. And when he looked at him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thy alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now... Now send me to Joppa, send men to Joppa, and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges in a, uh, with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Cornelius had only gone as far as he could go. 
And now the Holy Ghost, God, Jesus, was saying, okay, I'm going to take you to the next level, and here's how it's going to happen. I'm going to come to you in a vision, and I'm going to send you for this guy, Peter. Well, don't you know Peter was over there at that house where he was being having these men sent to? He was up on the roof praying. So while you're praying for God to give you somebody to teach a Bible study to, there's somebody out there praying that's asking God to send them somebody to talk to them, and He's going to connect you with them. Just get ready for it. If you're serious, and really, we all should be serious. Because there is no, there's no stipulation in the New Testament. There is no, no precedent for, well, I'm too old. Or I'm too young. <laughs> the one young person that taught in this session this weekend, he said, God told him, if you're young enough to be tempted, you're young enough to be anointed. You don't have to know this. You don't have to have all the verses memorized. You just have to have a testimony. He was talking about... You know, get some stories and some things you know about that have happened where it was obvious that God intervened in a situation. Have those things ready. Use wisdom. Jesus was a storyteller. We don't have to be all lockstep and and all dry and boring and get in front of them and read the lesson out loud word for word. Don't do that. Read it so you know it forwards and backwards. Teach it to yourself. Teach it to your wife. Teach it to somebody that's already saved. Practice it. When you get in front of somebody, don't do all the talking. Because they might have something to say. And they might not say it right. They might not understand everything right. Aren't you glad that people had mercy? I am. (laughs) I wasn't raised in this. I can't tell you the times that probably I don't even realize to the extent that they had mercy on me because I was so backwards and weird about how I looked at things until I finally got it. And I, You know, when I, I've been in that place where I see that person, you all talked about, was it a young lady that stood, jumped up in the middle of your house and said, I see it, I see it, I see it. That's an awesome feeling right there. And sometimes they won't do that, but you can see it on their face. You just know. You just know in the Holy Ghost that the light just came on. And the temptation is just to grab them and dunk them in the water right away, right? But you can't do that. You've got to let them fall in love with the book. And you've got to let them fall in love with Jesus. Don't let them fall in love with you. It's not about a relationship with you. I mean, you're, you're working on that in the midst of this, but you're not trying to get them to have a relationship with you. You're trying to, you, when they try to have a relationship with you, you just point them over there to Jesus. You tell them, this is how I got where I am, by having a relationship with that guy over there. That's who you need to have a relationship with. You need to get in this book and read it, even if you don't understand it. God's going to show it to you. He showed it to me. I, I didn't know what book. I had to have tabs. And, you know, you just tell, tell them whatever you got to tell them. Don't lie, but... You understand what I'm saying? In Acts 10:33-35 it says, "And immediately therefore I sent unto thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore are we all present before God to hear all the things that are commanded thee of God." So it wasn't just Cornelius at this point. 
The Bible says he went out and got all of his family and his close friends. And Cornelius was what? A centurion, not just a soldier. So a centurion had a nice big house. And the house was filled with people. I can't remember who the missionary was that went went to a house full of Filipino people in whatever Ireland or wherever country it was. And he was just invited by one guy and he shows up there and there's people in the room where he's at and down the hallway and people everywhere in that room. And he felt like it was a Cornelius moment. I'm getting Holy Ghost just thinking about, man, wouldn't you like to be that guy? <laughs> And he said they didn't even get through the first lesson. People were just getting the Holy Ghost throughout the whole house. He said his daughter or somebody was with him, and they had to just kind of move their way around and lay hands on people. And God was filling them without anybody laying hands on them. Imagine that. (laughs) Nobody laid hands on anybody on the day of Pentecost, by the way. I I don't believe that. It's not in the book. God just filled him with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> He'll do that. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. We've got to get that in our skull. We've got to get that settled in our mind. God's not a respecter of persons. Not of your person or anyone else's. Brother Hanthorn talked about when he first started teaching Bible studies, he said it took him a little while, but he figured out after a couple of those Bible studies that his pastor gave him to teach that he was giving him all the hard ones. <laughs> he kept coming back to his pastor going, man, this guy's rough. But his pastor was trying to help him learn. So you think he made mistakes? He told me that it took, he didn't have one result for three years teaching Bible studies to people. Not one. Not one person came to the altar. Not one person. Not one baptism. Not one holy. Nothing. For three years. And he said, he said, he asked God one day, why? What am I doing wrong? And he said, God pretty much told him nothing. I'm just teaching you. And he said, right, it was like right after that, he said, it just exploded. So in that, there's going to be a process when we do this. You're going to make mistakes. Everybody say, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes. Why? Because we're human. We got this stuff called flesh. Because maybe you're not going to read the situation right. And you're going to say something that you shouldn't have said. Because you don't know their background and you haven't discerned that yet. It's Okay. People are forgiving. You know, basketball player on on an NCAA college basketball team misses a goal. Does he just drop to the floor and pout and just run off and sit on the bench and say, I'm done? No. He just slushed that off and says, I just missed a shot. Okay, fine. I'm still in the game. I'm going to make the next one. That's just a one-off. They don't get all bent out of shape and upset about it, do they? No? When a quarterback fumbles or throws an interception, he doesn't just go home and suck his thumb and quit. They just keep going. Okay, you missed one. You messed up. 
Thank God for His mercy. He knew you were going to mess up before you did. But guess what? You learned something. Right? If I come up to you every five seconds from behind and bop you on the back of the head with a stick, after about the third time, you're going to start discerning that I'm back there and you're going to start ducking. You're going to start learning, right? When I hear that noise behind me, duck. So isn't God like that? He'll let us go through stuff so we can learn something. I love God's mercy. You know, Sunday, Pastor Becker said a couple things, and the Lord was giving me all this Sunday. <laughs> I was listening. That's because I, I got some of this stuff you said. It's very key. You said God has a ministry for every one of us. That's what he said. If you weren't here, I'm giving you, I'm having mercy on you. If you weren't listening, nobody, that's not true here. Another thing he said, if we're lingering, it's time to get focused and have an urgency. What are we waiting for? Not one time in the New Testament did Paul do what Paul wanted to do. Not one. Once he had that experience on that Damascus road, all bets were off. Paul didn't do what Paul wanted to do anymore. Paul didn't go where Paul wanted to go anymore. Paul didn't say what Paul wanted to say anymore. He listened to the Holy Ghost. Because he was the one that said, follow me as I follow Christ. Isn't that what we need to be doing? Is the Holy Ghost talking to us right now? Yes. The people in the Old Testament, when the prophets stood up and said, Thus saith the Lord to them, one prophet, God told him, Don't pay any attention to their faces. Just go and say what I said to say. And that's really all I'm doing. Because it's really up to us in this room to make a choice if we're going to obey that command or not. Because nobody is, nobody gets to get out of it. Nobody gets to say, I've done my time. It's all hands on deck, folks. We need to be praying for discernment and for His leading. And that He would prepare us to be that laborer He needs us to be. Didn't Jesus tell His disciples when He was speaking, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that He would send forth laborers into His harvest? The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Do you want to be on that list? The few lab- the the one that's he's referring to when he says the laborers are few. There's another list with a whole bunch of names on it that aren't laborers. I don't want my name on that list. He needs us to be who he has called us to be while we're in the field, and we are in the field. This is the field. The field is the world, the Bible says. 
Matthew 9, 35 through 38. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Don't you feel like that when you look at people in this world sometimes? If they only had a shepherd, if they only had somebody to love them, if they only understood what they're doing is sin, if they only understood that they're going to go to a devil's hell, what if we could have that kind of compassion for the people that we're looking at every day and and let that lead us and guide us to do something? If the house is on fire and there's people in there, you're not just going to stand on the sidewalk and say, people you're going to yell fire you're going to call the fire department you're going to do something you're going to run in there and see if you can save somebody and not just stand around i would want you to do that if i was in the house i'd want you to run in there and maybe you know put your own life at risk we're not risking anything folks (laughs) we don't belong to ourselves then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest is truly plenty, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I've heard this said before many times. If we're waiting on God to do greater things, you'll be waiting a while. As he said, Greater things than these shall ye do, because I go to my Father. He wants to use us. They don't have to get the Holy Ghost in here. They don't have to be healed in here. They don't have to have Him lay hands on them for him them to be healed. God can use you. He gave you the same power and authority He gave me and He gave Him and everybody else. We have the same power and authority and Holy Ghost everybody else does. We've got to be busy about our Father's business. We are not our own, folks. We are bought with a price. Nothing that we have on this earth is ours. I might be wearing this jacket, but it's not mine. It belongs to Him. I'm a steward of His blessings. If he wants to take it from me now, it's his to take. I'm not going to fight him over it. That house I live in is not mine. Yeah, I live there and I pay the house payment and the utilities. And I work on that house and maintain it. But it's not mine. I'm just a steward. And if he tells me to use my house for him, for his glory, I'm going to do it. With no stipulations about, well, I'll let this person in my house but I ain't letting that person in my house. We cannot vegetate and live inside of our own orbit, folks. Whether it's in this building or in our own little orbit, our own little world that we live in, we can't just sit there and vegetate in our own little world. He's called us to a lost world. And they are going to hell if we don't do something. 
They are destined for a devil's hell right now. If the Lord came right now, 52,000 people would be headed straight to hell. Unless the Lord knows they're saved and we don't. Because we don't. 1 Corinthians 2, 9-13 But I, as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love Him. Man, He's got some stuff prepared for us, folks. He's got some stuff prepared for us. There's some Bible studies out there that are the next pastor, the next missionary, the next preacher, the next whatever. But they're not going to end up in this building or doing anything for God if we don't go out there and go after them. But God hath revealed them to us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we, which might, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. We've got to let God use us. He's going to, he's going to use your voice. He's going to use your, your body. He's going to use your house. He's going to use your, the money that He gave you in your wallet. He's going to tell you, take them out to dinner. He's going to tell you, do it in a coffee shop. You, you know, you might ask somebody that if they want a Bible study, and they might say yes. But they don't want to have it in their house, and they don't want to have it in your house. Are you just going to say, well, all bets are off? No. Where would you like to have it? And let them tell you. Let them say, okay, fine. We'll meet there. Doesn't matter if you don't like it. Doesn't matter if it's out of your way. If you're serious about reaching that lost person and showing them what this book says, you'll do whatever it takes. They, Paul didn't have a segue or anything. He had to walk everywhere he went on his missionary journeys. Just thank God you don't have to walk to Sparta. <laughs> I thank God I don't have to walk to La Crosse on Wednesday and walk all the way back to Sparta. <laughs> I'd be wearing a lot different clothes if I did, probably. I wouldn't have this right here. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Proverbs 11.30, The fruit of righteousness is the tree of life, and he that when his souls is wise, or skilled, or experienced. How do you get experienced at something? I wasn't an experienced soldier when I joined the military, but after about five years, I've was a whole lot further along than I was when I started, right? And I'm a whole lot further along than I was when I started in this 30 years ago, but I'm not anywhere near close to where I want to be or where He wants me to be. I haven't even come close to arriving yet. Acts 2, 141-47, Then they that gladly received His word were baptized, and the same there they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And in fellowship and in breaking of bread from house and, pray- and in prayers. 
And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done of them by the, of the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and good, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Why did they have favor with all the people? Who were all the people? All the people's homes they went into. Why did they have favor? Where did that favor come from? It wasn't because of who they were. It wasn't because of their intellect or their natural ability or whatever. It had nothing to do with them as a person. It was the Holy Ghost. They were being led by the Spirit. Breaking of bread and in prayers. They prayed lots of all kinds of prayers. It's only six o'clock. <laughs> I'm just saying. If you don't believe me, look. Just kidding. It's eight o'clock. Praise God. Let's all stand. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus' name. Fulfilling the Great Commission. All the Lord is asking us to do is to do that. It's not, it's not my concern if you are or aren't. i got my own self to deal with. Okay? He, he talked to me first before He talked to you. But if you're not, you need to be. And it is the most fulfilling thing that you've ever experienced. Once you do it the first time, you know, it's like going to the gym and working out. Once you start getting into routine and you miss a workout, you can tell. A person that does that, you can tell. Even my 84-year-old mother told me when she misses a, a workout day, she still goes to the gym at 84. She can tell. She can feel it in her body. So we, we're... we're we don't want to miss out on anything that God has for us, do we? Amen. So we need to just get into a culture here of just, I don't want to say like competition, but I want to, I want to hear when you have a Bible study and how it's going and, and what God's doing in that Bible. Don't you? Don't you want to hear good news? Don't, we all like to hear good news. Amen? And I, and I do want to see them... Those ones that you're teaching, I want to see them come in here. I want to see them when they know they realize they got a family. They're part of a family now. We're not just church attendees. We're family. In Jesus' name, Father, we love you. We honor you, Lord. We praise you today, our Lord. I thank.